The Protect Your Neck Podcast. UFC 237 Breakdown. Picks, plays, and whatever else comes our way. Let's go to work. Hot air hangs like a dead man From a white oak tree People sitting on porches Thinking how things used to be Dark night It's a dark night Savages. This is the Protect Your Neck Podcast, and I am your host, Dan Tom, analyst's work you can find at MMAJunkie.com, as well as MMA Junkie Radio. But on this year's program, the Protect Your Neck Podcast, we break down high-level MMA. That's what we're going to do here today, tonight. Whenever you're listening to this, hopefully it's before the fight. Uh, only recording this on Friday morning as opposed to late we in the hours Thursday night, which seems to be my usual recording time. But as I almost set the record and fell asleep on the podcast last week, I decided to get some sleep, wake up, and as you can hear, I'm fully awake and caffeinated to break this down. And it's a good thing I waited because, uh, man, it's been good too long. Fight cancellation day for all the fights that you know the UFC has thrown our way. They've been pretty good, you know. Uh, of course, I'm referring to weigh-ins as fight cancellation day. And we had some. Carlos Diego Fajeda, his, his bad luck in Brazil continues. He didn't get to fight this time. Card was pulled uh, for kidney stones. Uh, Cohea, uh, despite missing weight by five pounds officially, um, her fight versus Aldana is still on. And not only that, promoted to the main card. So we just changed our junkie staff picks there. So good thing I was awake because, again, usually if I'd stay up, I would have slept through all this uh, and, and woke up and... And I think the rule is uh, from uh, Uncle Uncle Matt E over at MMA Junkie, who heads up our picks there. And if you don't get the pick in time, uh, he picks dogs for you. So I would have had a, a Beshko Hea pick. Spoiler for that fight. Of course, we're going to break down that card from top to bottom after a very, very brief recap. This is going to be expedited breakdown, of course, as I try to do lately in general. If you notice, I'm trying to get these a little faster, but uh, especially... On the tight time frame, uh, of course, we're going to break that down from top to bottom. And, of course, as per usual, a reminder, in case you forgot or you're new, timestamps in the show notes uh, on whatever you're, you're listening to this on, which which will be increasing in the near future. Take a shot, because Dan's been saying that for about over two years now. About two years now. <laughs> but I mean it this time, I promise. No more on that. It's going to be a brief recap uh, and a brief preview of Bellator, a brief recap of Ottawa, brief Preview of Bellator 221, which is also this weekend, and I would argue has the stronger main card. Um, though there's, you know, uh, the undercard ain't anything great either for the UFC, which, which you know, has, has a better one. But yeah, it's, it's just assault of the fights because we just, there's nowhere to put them, man. MMA's becoming a commodity. I don't know if, about the growth era. Uh, but uh, it, it just feels like a commodity lately, and we'll probably get into that as we talk about the fighters that we, we, we see on these cards regularly now. Um, yeah, anyways, I don't even want to get into the whole streaming and where this sport's going. Ugh. But, uh, but yeah, I actually just submitted a daily debate question regarding that. We'll see if it gets taken, but uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. All right, last weekend, I'm going to take a sip of coffee here. All right, last weekend was UFC Ottawa. Um, 
Uh, Donald Cerrone defeated Ally Quinta. My, my, my terrible reads on Donald Cerrone continues. And to be honest, I had, I had trouble kind of reading both guys uh, of late, but always Cerrone. And uh, good on him, man. He looked great. Um, uh, Derek Brunson defeated Elias Theodoru. Um, glad I took Brunson there, but uh, I really didn't play that too heavy, so... so. Not much to say there. Uh, you know, he looked he looked more uh, patient, although the fight was kind of slow. It's hard to look good against Elias even if you win. And then also Brunson, even though he did show improvements, his, the guy who gave him those improvements wasn't there. Coach Henry Hoof actually had problems and couldn't make it when we talked to Brunson on MMA Junkie Radio, which was super interesting. Um, so even more props to Brunson for pulling it off with that kind of change can really shake up a fighter, especially he sounds like he's already kind of bonded with Hoof, so... Something to look forward to. Don't 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 pitch, pitch the dirt on Brunson yet. Let's see where let's see what he's got left. <coughs> Burgos defeated Cub Swanson. Um, yeah, again, my my, my luck continues, guys. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that later because we'll, I, I, I may have uh, jinxed myself again. And of course, the luck jinx, uh, bad luck uh, that I'm referring to right now is whenever I change my pick. On said junkie staff picks, we have to usually submit them pretty early uh, in the week, and uh, but we can always change them pretty much up till up till weigh-ins for the most part. I mean, not that we want to do it that late on old Uncle Maddie there, but uh, but yeah, every time I've done that, it's proven to be wrong. So I second guess myself the wrong way. So in other words, I shouldn't have changed my pick because that fighter that I initially picked would, would always win, and that continued here. Uh, I should have stuck with my initial read of Shane Burgos though. I'd argue, despite the rogue scorecard, that uh, Swanson did make a better account for himself than maybe some might thought. But yeah, he he was searching in there, man. It was it was tough. He looked discouraged. All right, Marab Delishvili uh, saved the day for me at least. Uh, came through by decision. Of course, that was the one prop that I, I suggested on here plus plus one hundred. So that that cashed. Uh, the, our other play didn't. We'll get to that. Um, Harris defeated Sergey Spivak again. I told you on here, like it's just like, oh, undefeated guy, and, and yes, yeah, it's hard to tr trust Walt Harris. And I said that too as well. You know, uh, that narrative is definitely out there, and I'm guilty of it. So I'm not trying to bash that, but I did say Sergey Spivak was not impressed, not impressed at all. I was really surprised that line spread, and uh, it turned out in hindsight that was probably one of the more bettable lines. Um, Andrew Sanchez defeated Mark Andre Barrialt. Uh, I had a bit of a trouble picking this one, and I, I think that showed why. I mean, Burial definitely had his moments, and but Sanchez showed he'd come back and was composed. And the things that uh, we talked about on this podcast, and and he talked about in interviews with other people like uh, like uh, the James Lynches of the world and so forth. All right, uh, Macy Chasson. Uh, I was glad that she got tested with some adversity. Goodbye, Sarah Moore. Ass. Uh, but uh, yeah, you know. Uh, Macy's going to, uh, and she should get some big fights down in that division. All right, uh, Vince Morales showed up, and Eamon is a hobby didn't. Uh, that was the other play. I, I just thought that line was off on paper, and sometimes on paper doesn't mean anything when you don't show up. So uh, props to Vince Morales, who did. All right, Nordine Taleb defeated Kyle Prepolek. All right, by decision. Yeah, that's kind of not much to say on that one. Matt Sales defeated Kyle Nelson. Uh, Sales continues to impress, man. Um I get us for first submission. Kyle Monson didn't want to go down, but uh, sales was uh, just just game, man, that pressure game. Speaking of pressure game, Arjun Buller um, really wanted to go with him too, but then 
you know, uh, but I didn't. Props, props to y'all did. Uh, that was a good hit. And, and again, happy for a guy like Arjun, you know, with the Scotty Pippen quote that he wanted me over with, with his uh, video game interview with uh, old Mr. Hinch there. All right, and then Cole Smith beat uh, Mitch Gagnon as a dog. Uh, just, I mean, there wasn't much footage on Smith. That was me, just more of a fade on Gagnon, and also just seeing Smith's style when he was standing next to people in interviews and stuff. I don't know if it was with Aaron Bronstetter or what, but I was just like, he was just next to the interview person. I'm like, this guy's a bantamweight? Jesus. All right, and then we got uh, Bellator. Hey, odds are still up. Bellator 221 this weekend. Um, Taiwan Claxton. You know, big Taiwan Claxton fan. He, he trains under um, Neil Melanson. He trains out of Ohio. He's got his own gym there. But for camps, he makes the regular trips uh, wherever Neil goes from Florida, Denver, and now Vegas. Uh, Neil's back here in Vegas out of syndicate. Um, and Taiwan, man, his wrestling, his power. Like, he came on with a flying knee, but his grappling is just legit. And uh, it's one of those Bellator lines where I can actually see why, and, and I'm glad to see people are paying attention. Uh, that, that being said, I ain't touching that line, nor the Hager line right above his, minus 810 over TJ Jones. How about that guy? Uh, I got to look up this Chumley character everyone's talking about, but uh, yeah, to me, he looked like a Matt Mitrione stunt double. And in the comical way, that's not like a knock on Matt Mitrione. Like, uh, I mean it in the sense, like, if you've seen the movie Spaceballs, where we're like, these aren't the... <laughs> droids we're looking for it's their stunt doubles and like the, the, the princess is like a dude smoking a cigar with a mustache like it looks nothing like him like <laughs> uh like jake hager at the mid wear a suit too it's not enough that he's like this chiseled jawed midwestern blonde american like I, the ideal american <laughs> it's a pride dan henderson vanilla suit to provo reference there the ideal american uh, and then we got A.J. McKee get, getting tested uh, against Pat Curran. Uh, I guess I'm not surprised at the minus 290, but there's some kind of honey traps here, man. Like, we still don't know. Uh, this is going to be the test for McKee. Uh, I got him here. I really like his southpaw stylings, his submission savvy, even though he didn't, you know, face the, the most noted opponent. Although, you know, as far as UK guy goes, I believe that's where his last opponent was from. Uh, he's pretty decent from that pull. It was more just what he did, not so much the opponent and I, uh, on the adjustment he had on that submission. And uh, talking to him after, just, you know, um, this, this guy's focused, man. Seeing him back there, he was high on the victory as he should be. But, you know, he, he wasn't ignorant about it, if that made sense, man. I mean, I think this kid's smarter than he comes off. We'll see. I'm going to take him here over Pat Curran. You know, but but don't I mean we don't see Pat Curran that much, and he's an older name, so it's easy to count him out. We've only been seeing him once a year, but this dude can fight, man, and he seems to have found his groove. And maybe that's better for some of these guys. You know, we'll see a lot of that with this Brazil card, where these guys fight once a year when they're older. So we'll see. Taking him there uh, above that, we got Douglas Lima minus two eighty, Michael Page plus two forty. Um, I'm going to talk about this one a bit fast too, so forgive me. That being said. My breakdown should be dropping today on Friday, so you'll have a whole at least 24 hours to check that out. I go into detail, uh, I believe, uh, one of the chapters, and at least if I could name the breakdown, it would probably be called Snake Charming the Stone, because that's that's essentially what's going to have to happen in this fight for Michael Page to win. And even though I'm picking Douglas Lima here, tip of the hand, um, he was my early pick to win the tournament, though... I'll be honest, guys. I'm actually, I think I'm, I'm siding with Neiman Gracie uh, 
between seeing just the the skills jump to know that I, I wasn't sure how serious he was. Is he just gonna do the Gracie plateau if he can't get guys backs? He's gonna just falter at whatever level he stops getting guys backs in MMA at, right? I mean, pretty much that's what we've seen for the most part from the Gracies. Uh, but these these newer guys like like Kron and his pressure game, we'll see. He still has those old school Gracie moves like the knee kick and hop in. But as far as Neiman, uh, he's more you know adopting more Muay Thai uh, and traditional kickboxing. Um, and his wrestling's not too bad either, as we, as we saw. I mean, he's even getting takedowns on Ruth. Uh, granted, Ruth was a bit tired, and Ruth, uh, I've been saying it, and people only seem to now have said it kind of after he lost, but he's a bit small for that division. He doesn't really cut weight. Um, like I was sitting next to him before he was weighing in, and uh, I, I couldn't believe the guy was a welterweight. I was like, what? That's it? I, 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 mean, I didn't even realize it was Ed Ruth. I had to, I had to double take um, until he like started walking up the scales. Like, oh, that is Ed Ruth. Holy crap. Wow, okay. This isn't that big. Uh, but anyways, uh, I'm getting sidetracked here. Uh, usually I got to pick with the analysis, which the proven work obviously is going to be on Rory McDonald's side against most people he fights, especially Neiman Gracie. But with the whole headspace that Rory's in, and I'm not dissing it, by the way. I'm not one of those people that's coming after him. From the religious standpoint to the fighting standpoint, no, man, that guy's given us a lot, and uh, he's been fighting longer than his age seems. So believe me, it's not a diss on Rory, but if I'm just being real, I don't think it's a good place to fight in. And it's a quick turnaround. After five rounds like that, Neiman's fresh and hungry. He saw a lot of what he liked. His confidence at all-time high. And let's say Lima does get to the final. Uh, what's been Lima's weakness? You know, uh, people taking him taking him down. Uh, so if he can't knock Neiman out and Neiman gets him down, uh, you know, Lima's jiu-jitsu is good even from the bottom, but being stuck on the bottom as he's gotten higher in ranks been his problem. Uh, he's been hit, be able to hit sweeps for the most part at best. Uh, and against a guy like Neiman, yeah, I don't, I don't think he'll be the one doing the sweeping. Uh, so I mean, it's crazy. Like I, I tweeted, like I tweeted out, like we could see a, a crazy become a, a promotional champ and then possibly even a tournament champ. So that's a little early foreshadowing. But for this fight, I'm taking Douglas Lima. Uh, I think it's going to look a lot like the Shogun Hua. Uh, Leota Machida fights I don't know if he'll produce the finish like he did in the second fight but it's going to be essentially the same all around equation which was um, uh, I mean Lima will, will sit back so I expect him to do parts of that uh, obviously if he doesn't get the finish early because I think both guys are just going to be super tentative they respect each other a lot uh, Page is in a weird headspace he's declined a lot of media I talked about that a bit in his la in my breakdown for his last fight uh, with his father and uh, that's that's what makes this fight dangerous because between the way Paul Daly was facing, which was which was super weird and, and difficult to deal with because he was doing like a mix of Tyron Woodley to aggressive frantic takedowns, uh, the, uh, Daly was, uh, and I, I was one of the few actually saying that Daly would go to takedowns, and so was Douglas Lima, which makes you wonder where his headspace is going into this fight. Um, but everybody else was surprised, and I was like, Douglas is smart, yo. Like, people on the, on the panel were like, what, Douglas? And I'm like, no, that, that's I mean, it's something I also out loud in my breakdown setting his fights with Jorge Masvidal. Whenever he fought commensurate strikers, he kind of just would go to that, or strikers with lengths and commensurate levels to him. He would, he would go to takedowns. So that wasn't a surprise, and then you couple in, maybe Page wasn't fighting at his best, definitely his most highest-level opponent, highest-profile fight, and... Uh, 
perhaps maybe the lackluster and weird fight is a bit excusable, especially when you consider that he was still able to dig deep in those in, uh, later on and, and dig out the fight. So it's all on perspective on that. And Douglas Lima, as damn good as he is at leg kicks, jabs, left hooks, check hooks, and of course his patented right hand from early on, every fucking technique is good and I can kind of pontificate on each of them and I do a bit in the breakdown. But at the same sense, Douglas Lima is not going to present anything new to Michael Page, which sounds crazy because he's not the veteran. That being said, I, what I'm trying to get at is Lima, for as good as his techniques are, at the end of the day, it's pretty basic Muay Thai. Uh, you, know, left, you know what I'm saying? It's not really like he's not levering his punches. He's not shifting stances. Like There's nothing too crazy going on there. Um, and that's, you know, for movement-based timing guys, I mean, if he can crack Lima early and kind of crack that code, then it's going to be a bad night for Douglas. That being said, again, I see the the, the chipping leg kicks, uh, the check hooks and counter rights um, being live for Lima all fight, plus whatever he decides to do in the clinch when these two get clenched up because Paige is not beyond being forced to know a clinch, as we saw. And Douglas Lima, though, his wrestling has improved. Um, it's mainly defensive, so let's see what what he's got offensively. You know, got to imagine that's in his head after seeing that fight. So Douglas Lima is the pick there. Um all right, uh, Patricio Fiede is the underdog, plus 170, Michael Chandler, minus 200, super fight, baby. Wow, this is really uh, exciting. So um, I actually was kind of leaning toward Patricio coming into this. Uh, I, I, I picked Chandler, obviously, and, and that's a, obviously there's a lot of bias, uh, both with my co-host and myself, both for different reasons. Uh, knowing Mike there, so it's going to be hard to ever really pick against this guy for me. Uh, but this is one where I, I, I considered it, I'm not going to lie, which means, yes, uh, Patricio, I believe, is a live dog. Um, I know it's been mixed results for people moving up lately, but as far as Patricio's strengths and the way he's going to win this fight anyways, if he were to win this fight, even if they were the same size, it's going to be on the feet and in the counter department, and his speed and power, i got to imagine, will only improve and only be more emphatic um, at this weight slash with this weight discrepancy. Uh, Mike Chandler, not the biggest lightweight, but he cut. He, he's dense. He's a really dense, muscular, and athletic, obviously. You don't really need me to tell you that. Um, and he's just one of those dudes who's truly explosive. I know explosive is one of those weird, like, racial, at least in my book, like, racial overtones where it just feels like commentators use, like, oh, he's super explosive for, like, African-American athletes. But if we're really going off on whatever that superlative is supposed to mean, um, that's Mike Chandler, man. I've, I've, I've felt this guy on the, on the mats, and it's just like, he can be turtled, and you can start from a four-point position, and the dude just f fucking explodes and, like, hits your chest and shit. Whatever you're not fucking secure, you don't have buckle down, he's going to fucking check it. Um, and I think it's going to go back to his wrestling for this fight. He's shown that he can do it, and, and cooler heads can prevail in his Brent Primus fight. Uh, but those counters were scary, you know, Primus was landing, and Chandler's been through some wars, he's young, he's healthy, but he's also been through some wars, and the way he fights, he puts his body through the ringer, and that's not free, no matter how well you take care of your body, um, so, you know, uh, I don't know if Mike Chandler's at that point yet, I'm not saying that, definitely, but... Yeah, I'm going to take him to wrestle for five rounds for the decision. Again, my breakdown's already up on Junkie for that, so I'll kind of skip the details here. But Fieri's live, man. Um, 
the dogs, you know, the, the favorites, the high favorites are favored enough to keep me away, and the dogs are live enough to keep me away on these minus 200 favorites. So, any who know there, as I check the time, write the time, and we will be moving on to, uh, what is it? UFC 237, there we go, 20 minutes in. <clears throat> All right, we're going to go from top to bottom as per usual. Breakdowns are already out on, on two of these fights. Um, headline in the card, of course, strawweight champion Rose Namajunas defends her title as the underdog, plus 110 currently is this recording. Jessica Andrade, uh, minus 130 money coming in, and not surprisingly so, as a... Uh, you know, as, as the breakdown will say, I'll, for you know, brevity, I'll, I'll kind of keep this short because the breakdown's out. And we're trying to get this out fast. But, yes, I'm picking Jessica Andrade. I'm kind of surprised the line's not more bigger. And and don't get me wrong. Uh, I, I love Rose. I respect Rose. And part of me will definitely actually be rooting for her here, believe it or not. Although my money may uh, say different. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to – I'm waiting to see what the line does. But it looks like it's not going to get any better. And I'm surprised it's this low. We'll see, but my, my money may be going the other way. My pick is definitely going the other way. Definitely got Andrade. I just think it's a tough stylistic matchup. Um, I think everything kind of... Rose has to fight the proverbial perfect fight. She is pinpoint enough with her counters and her jab to stick and, and, and keep range for a bit. Jessica Andrade, it's not that she... It's not, it's not like she's always going forward. She does take times to set, um, set herself as well. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like she will have her chances. The problem is... When do we see Andrade hurt? You know, she has two Tikio losses, but again, you got to go way back for that first one. It was like within her first year of fighting. It was only her third or fourth fight, but it wasn't like her first year of fighting. Up at like, what, 135, or even if it was 125. Um, the girl is actually like a decent athletic uh, hitter as far as that division. Ben, stop. Stop it. Dog's got allergies that are just killing him. Unfortunately, he's got claws like a tiger, so he actually does damage to himself. It's hard. I gotta tell him to stop, but not in a scolding tone. Yeah, you're a good boy. You didn't do anything wrong. You just gonna scratch the crap out of yourself. Shouts to y'all with pit bulls or other dogs that are really allergy prone this time of year. Uh, speaking of pit bulls, Andrade, yeah, but uh, you know she, she, she seldom hurt, and that was a standing. Uh, she got stopped standing. You know, like she didn't go down, kind of thing. It was just overwhelmed. The, the girl was just in over her head, right? She even got to the UFC a bit too early, and in that debut, you know, she, she she faces one of the most athletic, most experienced girls you could possibly get at that time or at this time, to, the, to be honest, right? And uh, Liz Carmouche, Uriah Faber light, uh, and she arrived Faber and took him to the ground, just fed her like elbows, and she kept fighting. If you look at that fight, like she just kept fighting, and uh, she could have gave up chokes and gave up TKO positions, and she was just too tough. And the ref eventually had to stop it. So, again, it's not like she was really getting rocked or hurt or knocked out, obviously. Um, those were the two stoppages. And she just looked almost like bulletproof uh, at, uh, at, at, at Strawway. In fact, when you look at her only uh, loss there, she was able to, in what should be, you know, the in what the, the, the fight looks like, even the quote-unquote perfect fight, I mean, you know... Uh, I picked her in that fight, uh, but you know, Andrade, but uh, the quote-unquote perfect fight that JJ fought, young know, Jacek, and uh, you saw what that did to that. It was just complete hell. Um, so I, I don't know if she's going to stun her. Now if she does, and then jumps on her back, then definitely. But really, you know, Rose is probably going to have to catch her in a scramble. People have gotten Andrade's back before, but she's she's pretty good about. Um, not letting them get there, getting them off. That being said, if Rose gets there. 
Nami Yunus is undefeated in fights in her whole career where she's gotten the back. She hasn't always finished from there, but if she secured the back at least once in her fight, she wins that fight for what that's worth. She secured takedowns in almost all of her fights except for one, which was the quick knockout of Ian Jacek in their first fight. So, again, uh, Rose's wrestling, uh, is, 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 that's what she's going to have to do. But changing her level in the lower Andrade... Excuse me, who also seems to improve, just be improving in that area. I don't know if she's going to do it. So I got Andrash. All right, next one we got Jared uh, Kennedy. Yeah, baby. Cannon Pants. Uh, versus Anderson Silva, plus 110. I don't know why I just called him Cannon Pants. All right, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I uh, actually like Jared Cannon here, man. Uh, he's a fun guy to watch. I, I like his post-rate interviews as much as to see his, his style and progression. I think it was a great move that he went down to the MMA lab. Um... He seems like such a genuine dude, man. It's just hard not to like him in, 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 in interviews. Yeah, baby. Get it, man. Uh, God, now I'm going to be saying that. Watch. It's going to fucking get... Uh, Cannon here, no. He's, he's a really hard guy not to like. And I'm, I was actually surprised he wasn't a bigger favorite, you know, especially just seeing how he looked at middleweight, especially on short notice. You know, to be able to make that cut on a short notice, he wasn't kidding when he's been talking about middleweight this whole time. Uh, definitely more of a ceiling at this point in their careers. No questions there. But I'm taking Anderson Silva. Jared Cannonier not only is the only time he's faced Southpaws, at least in his UFC career, uh, didn't really watch much of that Alaskan Fighting Championships or whatever his pre-career was, but um, UFC-wise, he's been knocked out. Sean Jordan, a heavyweight, granted, the check right hook. And, um, of course, the uh, left straight and left uppercuts uh, around the shelling guard of, uh, with courtesy of Dominic Reyes, uh, you know, who looked... Not great in his last fight for sure, but, you know, it is no joke as far as current crops of light heavyweights. And again, light heavyweight keyword there. Now he's down at middleweight, but Anderson Silva fights the same whether it's a, you know, a heavyweight like DC at 205 or, you know, just at light heavyweight or middleweight. So uh, Anderson um, looks healthy and vibrant for this fight, you know, as healthy as he can be. Obviously, things changed after the leg thing and the. You side of thing and other sorts, but uh, but yeah, man, a lot of a lot of these Brazilians are uh, looking healthier. I don't know if Anderson had one, but one of my favorite things, uh, especially you know on, on a Brazil heavy card, when I go through my social media searches, and I'm sure you grinders who do this know, know what I'm talking about. I always my favorite thing is I always love uh, the the shot of the the uh, old, especially if it's like an older Brazilian fighter who's really buff, and he he does the picture next to his doctor. <laughs> Thanks to this guy, <laughs> like they're all next to their doctors. Like, come on, man, just keep, can you keep it low, right? Can you keep it a little lower? <laughs> uh, anyways, um, I, you know, I was saying Cowboy Cerrone, right? You know, uh, uh, fighters I had bad read on. Anderson Silva, I'd argue, I have a pretty good read on, especially later on in his career. Obviously, easier to have a good read on him when he was in his prime, mopping everybody up, but. Uh, Again, I was I was I didn't pick him last fight, but I was I was one of the f- the few saying uh, it was going to go to the decision and be closer than you guys think for the yeah, and it pretty much went exactly that that way. Uh, and then even when I did pick him, although I didn't score it for him, I did pick him at UFC 208 against again uh, another uh, southpaw there uh, in uh who was that? Oh, Derek Brunson. Yeah, we were just talking about him, Derek Brunson. Um, yeah. I, I uh, you know, again, it, it, he, 
he does well against certain matchups where they're getting southpaws, and, and he also just carries that aura. And, you, and you, you know, I don't know how much southpaw Canyon is going to go here. He's a switch dance fighter, of course, but uh, you saw in his last switch dance fighter, and Silva will blitz guys and test, uh, test their southpaw defense. Uh, I don't know if that was an Izzy-specific thing because Anderson Silva, I mean, go, go back to his Yushin Okami fight where he's pretty much putting on a splitting the jab tutorial. Uh, his his arsenal just opens up against southpaws. I always talk about the you know that matchup, and uh, I think Anderson's gonna do do okay here, man. I really do. Um, even at his advanced age of his career, he was doing some wrestling things. Again, even the guy like, with like a guy like DC that DC even noted after the fight was impressive. Uh, people might not realize it, and might, you know to the common eye. But uh, I mean, could he get you know KO'd or just overwhelmed? Sure. But I think that uh, he actually has a better chance of scoring the KO here than people think. And we all know that Anderson Silva can bullshit his way into a decision, especially in Brazil. He's back in Brazil. Oh, my God. They're going to be just, like, cheering at everything he does. So uh, I took a shot there. All right. I took a shot on a lot of the dogs that I play, by the way. And I'm not suggesting you do, but, but he is one that I did take a shot on. All right, next fight. Boy, hardest fight in the card to pick. This one's got a breakdown that's out now in MMA Junkie. Because, again, the co-main event in this new era, I was just talking a shout-out to, uh, oh, my God, it's uh, oh my God, it's Feely, Tom Feely on Twitter, who uh, writes the previews for sure. Dog does a damn good job over there, Mr. Feely. Shouts to you for doing the fucking Lord's work when it comes to that stuff. Um, but, um, you know, about the matchmaking, when this kind of this Twitter rant, and it's a really interesting thread. Go check it out. But, uh, you know, we're just talking about matchmaking and the main card. It's just no semblance of the Joe Silva era. The, you know, the, the lightweight, fun lightweight openers are, are few and far between when that was a staple. And now the co-main event just took a shit in 2019. I mean, Greg Hardy, criticisms aside, I mean, all the co-main events in, in that regard have been just awful. I don't know what's going on. It's like they just stopped fucking caring. Uh, and then they bury like, the fun fights like right dead in the middle. And that is what this is. Jose Aldo minus 135, Volkanovski plus 115. This was really tough to pick. Um, initially, lean Volkanovski. And then as the analysis was going on, I was just pretty much Aldo all day once I was reminded that, like, oh, yeah, Volkanovski is improved, but his improvements are his prodding uh, outside of his feints, which are going to be super useful. And that's the key here for him. But outside of that, um, albeit they don't outweigh it because feints are, are the most important thing, especially how he uses them in that gym uh, city kickboxing that he's training at. Really smart guys over there, Eugene Berman and so forth. But uh, outside from that, his improvements have been his defense, which is shelling, and his prodding and his jabs. And what does Aldo make his money out of? More so in his advanced stage of his career than anything, but always throughout his career, which is slipping the jabs with his right hands, left hooks, to the liver shots and left or and leg kicks to the to the lead left leg, uh, all things that work around a shelling guard. I mean, Aldo makes his money slipping jabs and expose and you know uh, exposing shelling guards all day. Uh, so I was like, oh Volkanovski, but then Volkanovski is just a fucking tank. I mean, you go back to his loss, one his lone loss, which is his lone stoppage loss. It was by stoppage. That came, I believe, at middleweight or welterweight against the guy who eventually was a middleweight or missed weight and was coming down kind of a thing. Like, in other words, he just should have been fighting. Like, that's like that was like the BJ Penn, Machida kind of loss uh, thing there. Um, the dude is just an athletic freak. Uh, rugby, which arguably seems to translate pretty, pretty well. Even guys like John Hathaway, who, you know, 
was quietly one of the better wrestler and clinch guys in an era where UK the UK stereotype was strong for these guys to slip on the logos, you know? Like, Hathaway was a dude to watch out for until Hell Stuff and Spinning Elbow got the better of him. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, uh, and, but more importantly, it, it's, it's the wrestling accolades that made Volkanovski just an animal. Uh, he's not a burnout guy, you know, like... Uh, you, you know, we would see maybe from more of a football-based athlete, right? Uh, he's not going to burn out after, like, a couple plays. Like, we, we've seen this guy. Uh, I, could, I bet he'd keep pacing a five-round fight. But just seeing what he did against Darren Elkins, he might as well have been a five-round fight, you know, going three at, at – I mean, that was just insane. I mean, Darren Elkins was looking sluggish, granted, because he got rocked and almost knocked out a bunch of times, as per usual, in a Darren Elkins fight. But just seeing him keep that pace, and I – I think I took Volkanovski, or I think I took Mendez, actually, even though I was leaning Volkanovski, because even though he dominated and that was impressive, a guy like Elkins was landing a bunch of right hands on Volkanovski, and I'm like, man, how is he going to take the Mendez right hand? And sure enough, Mendez just clocks him with the right hand and the left hook, right? Uh, hits him probably twice, I believe, rocks him twice. And the speed in which Volkanovski recovered and then starts hitting with his own left hook counters was so damn impressive, and uh, at this stage of their career, because power don't go away, and even in their primes, I'd say Chad Mendez was the heavier hitter. Granted, their speculation maybe is as to why, but I, I do think that that no, no matter what uh, intangibles or you know USADA stuff or intangibles or age intangibles, that that power, I think, is something he's always had, um, and he hit him Volkanovski with it, and he just came back. Uh, and just just put that pressure on him, and he knew like was just smart, almost just like recreating the Connor fight. Like he's not a big body puncher per se, but when he knows he knows when to go to the body. Like as soon as he got up off the ground, whether it was a successful takedown on Mendez's part and was able to hold him down for a second, and he got up, and he's just just get up ability is insane. Making guys work and knowing that they just had to expose work, and uh, he never lets guys you know as the like great Robert Follow said, put down the pack. Uh, boy, am I putting down the pack card now when I'm back in jiu-jitsu. I'm like, I'm a fucking demon, man. Like the first round, and then I'm just like fucking, holy shit, especially in gi, once I end up on bottom in like those later rounds, I just, I fucking wilt fast. Uh, but, uh, and Volkanovski has a good sense for that. You know, even when guys aren't wilting, you have to kind of like put down the pack as in like, when you go for a move or you like a hard guillotine choke, right? Like, oh, he's going to be so tired if he doesn't get that right it's kind of referring to that that scenario you're picking up a heavy pack and you're running with it now the harder and faster you run with the pack the more dramatic you're gonna have to drop it and take that really de you know uh deep breath if you're not pacing yourself or equipped to keep that pace um so a trick when you're rolling you can actually you know especially when you're rolling for a minute or if, and then this translates obviously to a fight where you feel your opponent puts down the pack when he doesn't get something and the trick is, even if the guy is a rank above you or a couple earrings or way better than you, whatever, and you can usually never pass his guard, if he goes for something really hard and sells out for something and doesn't get it, and he... If you time your burst when they go, you fucking gain so much ground. Like, tortoise in the hair times a million. Uh, so that that's the phrase uh, that I will carry on now is putting down the pack, and Volkanovski senses when guys do that. And that's why I picked against Aldo the last time he's been in Rio. He is the king of Rio, or king of Reno, as I like to say in my breakdowns. But uh, I uh, 
you know, I picked uh, Holloway to beat him because Holloway's a builder, whereas Aldo's always to take rounds off. Now, granted, this is a three-round fight, which means, you know, I, you know, Aldo could win a decision here for, for sure. He's in Brazil. If he could shut down Volkanovski's takedowns and hit him with some hard counters and scare him off, then Aldo could win a decision. But if he doesn't do that, and I'm not sure if I can see Volkanovski being the scared-off type because Volkanovski has that mental intangible, you know, not just because, uh, I, yeah, and that's why I picked against Moicano with Aldo, not because, again, back to the shelling and making his money off of jabs. I said that in that breakdown, and look what happened. That happened there. Sure, that was correct, but I also picked against him because I suspect that Moicano, because he's just so damn respectful that, again, he had back to the Anderson Silva thing. These guys command such a respect, you know, these legends, whether they're Brazilian or not, and uh, I think there was a lot of that going on. I don't think Volkanovski is going to play to that. So, in other words... Unless Aldo hits a counter and scares him off to a close decision, then I think Aldo's going to really have to not just knock him out, but have to do it from a liver shot, all of the Stevens, because I think Volkanovski is just so damn durable. Um, whereas Aldo, even in these victories, are having moments where he's kind of kind of getting close scares. So I picked Volkanovski to do it in the third round. Easy Derek Love, although I think it's plus 1,050 for that third round. Uh, I'll probably just sprinkle a little bit. Uh, maybe on, a, on on the dog here, but I, I'm a fan of Jose Aldo, so I'm like, eh, it's, you know, it's one of those things. Uh, it's tough. It's tough, but that's my take, Volkanovski. All right, I'm going to try to make the rest of this real quick. Uh, Tiago Alves might, had a dead draw right now with Lorelano Strapoli, minus 110. Man, again, I, I love, it's going to sound like I hate South America. Again, I love South America. I love my South American brothers and sisters. I love the ladies. I love the food. Uh, so many places I want to go. Uh, nothing but good things. But goddamn, again, just trying to fill the machines and the cog. It's not even like we're filling it for growth. It, you know, before that was the thing. Oh, well, we're spreading the sport. That's why we're having these fighters and these markets. Okay, I get that. Let's spread the love. Everybody should be granted some mixed martial arts and see these guys. I'm not the fucking Grinch. Let's get these people paid. Sure, why not? Uh, if we're expanding the sport, I'll, I'll meet you there. But then... Now it's just like, no, we just kind of built it up, and now we're playing the short game instead of the long game. We're selling to the highest bidder, and now we're just aggregating our, our brand name. Uh, we're, we're putting all our pay-per-views, all our content behind fucking multiple paywalls. All of MMA is doing it, and it's giving people more home, but it's not like, you know, but that 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 money is ultimately still going to the organizations, whereas the zone is giving, you know making contracts, granted to not every fighter, but at least their big fighters are still getting it for whatever that's worth, like the Canelos of the world, whereas the UFC big fighters, well, it looks like their trend is they're going to be having a harder time negotiating at the negotiating table. Meanwhile, while we lose the stack cards that, you know, we were we were fairly used to, uh, and those skis seem to start fleeting where now the co-main events are meaningless, we get guys like Laureleno Strapoli, who I will admit, you know, I, I thought, I was extra hard on because he looked like extra hot garbage in his regional fights. And then sure enough, yeah, he was gone almost a year. So he's going to make improvements. He's young. He did make improvements. He looks like a Santiago Ponzinibbio light where he just looks super raw, not nearly as technical as Santiago, not nearly as cut up or as impressive looking. Doesn't have the ground game, it appears, to back it up. But the dude just has, like a lot of these South Americans, man, they are fucking game. They are tough motherfuckers. They are former... Inca warriors and Spaniard warriors and all mixed up, you know, uh, Portuguese, fucking Brazilian warriors, all these guys, uh, they're, they're fucking tough as shit. And that's what gets them there. But their technique is just kind of wild kickboxing. 
And though he's not like your typical Southpaw South American that like, you know, the the fucking Jesus fucking Pinedos of the world or the <laughs> Humberto Benzanes where they just fucking spam hard left kicks and flail their arms over and over again. You're like, how is this on a fucking UFC level card, much less a main card? Anyways... Stripoli, he's a notch above those guys, so I'll leave some room to be impressed here because Alves, the bottom, arguably has already dropped out. Um, although I've been one of uh, his defenders, you know, I think the last time I played him though was against Curtis Melender, which was a mistake. Obviously, just felt that it was too quick of a turnaround, and uh, you know, you know, I would argue, you know, Alves, he's still game, man. His heart is still there. He still wants to fight. He's not like a shot fighter. So as long as he doesn't get knocked out here. By something rogue. I just think he's a better fighter all around. Uh, Stropoli's got some good movement. He switches his his stance up. I think he's going to have to really keep it from Southpaw, though, because Alves traditionally hasn't done too well against Southpaws. Hasn't fought too many. But he's got a lot of Southpaws to train with, so I'm going to take Thiago Alves here. All right. Uh, and put a small play on him just because the talent level is just ridiculously... I, I know Alves is at the very end of his career, but... I just feel they're giving Stripoli too much respect. So out of principle, I'm going to make a little play on Alves. I'm not suggesting you jump off that cliff with me, though, folks. All right, next fight, Ryan Spam. Speaking of cliffs, not to jump off with me. Uh, Ryan Spam, minus 135. Little Nog, Antonio Jerio Noguera, stitched together and being dusted off and brought out at a plus 115. It's surprising respect for Little Nog. Maybe because we all thought he wasn't going to get past Sam Alvey, but, you know, Sam Alvey hasn't been on the best stretch either. So how much do we put in that? And it was... Ugh, it was even harder and kind of tough to watch that fight because if you look at Nogueira, Nogueira, he won, but he didn't look that great either. Like, he is just like the tech. Like, go watch. I know it was it was actually that overhand angle that allowed him to get the finish on Alvi and lose the equilibrium and, and come behind uh, his head for the not back of the head, but the behind the ear shot, right? Uh, but before that, even it was just all these lurchy strikes, and then go replay it to like let's say his Luis Kane finish right back in the day, where it's those crisp left crosses down down the center. Like oh my god, it's a far cry. That being said, man, I'm not not too impressed with the span. I mean, could he hit the thing that he hit on Alex Nicholson? Who let's be honest, didn't really belong in that weight class. Maybe he does, but either way, he's not the best fighter, most intelligent guy. Uh, could he? Sure, but Ryan Span generally doesn't get his finishes like that. He's more of a submission guy and more of an, you know, uh, uh, you know, accumulative KOs. That said, has he been fighting that power and how to use his power later in his career? It seems so. I'm, I'm not going to doubt him too hard there, but I don't think his his striking level is better than uh, Little Nogueira's. And then you you send him down to Brazil, and Little Nogueira just lands one shot, and that crowd roars. You know, it could it could be, or we could just see him follow suit uh, from his brother, where he got the impressive TKO win in a fight that he shouldn't have. Uh, you know, his brother against Brendan Schaub and him against Alvi, where it's like this is the moment to retire, and they don't, and now they become uh, another depressing line of watching them pay for it. Sure, that could very well be this too. I'm gonna take the shot on Little Nog though. Uh, I also think he's a much, even at this stage of his career with his hips being shot. Um, I got to imagine he's going to, uh, he, he, you know, he's still the better grappler, at least to not be submitted by a guy like Ryan Spann, who makes his money by submission. So it'll be interesting to see how Spann approaches it with that in mind, if he tests the old old guard's ground game or, or not. But uh, I'll take a shot on Little Nog, but I, I do not suggest you, you jump off that cliff with me. And in fact, this would be probably like on another of those fights to avoid there. All right, next fight, uh, Tiago Moises, which always reminds me of Moises Kaufman. Dan, why are you doing a Laramie Project reference on an MMA podcast? Whoa, it's ref- 
We're well-rounded here, aren't we? And he is, Moises is the favorite, minus 120. Kurt Hollibaugh, plus 100. This one's on my avoid list because this one's, I agree with the line. Moises, I'm picking him here, but I just think it's, it, it's close. Uh, Moises is a good kicker, but his distance management obviously uh, shows to need work. That being said, I don't know if Hollibaugh's going to go for the same game plan as Dariush. Uh, Hollibaugh, no slouch on the ground, ranked, I want to say brown belt Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Uh, serviceable wrestling ability, I, I, I suppose, but I mean... Dariush's ground game and even his pressure and his grappling and his wrestling is underrated. Um, he had the skills to, to, to test Moises' submissions, whereas Hullabaugh is coming off two stoppage losses, and he's never, for an experienced regional dude, he's actually never been stopped until he got to this UFC level. So he's fighting for his job. He's got to fight off those doubts and insecurities. So I don't know if he's going to really jump into a submission specialist. Moises is a pretty decent kicker, so I'm wondering if that's going to bring out the kicks back out of Hullabaugh, who's been using his more boxing, which makes sense. It's actually improved as his careers went on. But uh, I'll take Moises here in Brazil. He needs this win, too, training at American Top Team. Uh, I'll take Moises, but I stayed away. All right, this fight actually got promoted to the main card, but it's uh, Arin Aldana, who you know I'm a big fan of. Uh, oh, I saw her out there in Hawaii, too, and she was... Uh, Dressed appropriately. Dan, stop being creepy. I, I just have weird taste sometimes, guys. Why? No, now you weird taste. What are you, you dissing out the. Oh, let's get to the breakdown, guys. Minus 320 for Arena Aldana and Betch Kohea. He's got parts to love as well. A little more to love this time around on 141. Plus 260. Oh, you're fat shaming. You're such an asshole. I'm not shaming, okay? I got love for Kohea as well. Besh and her dancing. Uh, I don't know if she's going to be able to dance this one off, though. Betch is underrated in the sense, like, she doesn't really gas. Uh, she keeps her pace up. She counters hard. And even when she's getting her ass kicked, she'll take that ass kicking and keep 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 punching uh, unless you stop her. Uh, so for that reason, she could be liver than the line suggests. But with the layoff, the, the missed weight, and again, I'm a big Aldana fan, although she's not beyond being rocked herself. Um, unless she gets rocked, like, once per round and Betch is able to steal those rounds that way, then... I see Aldana just, just drilling toward a decision. I, I I have no parlay pieces I'm giving out, but it's funny. Like the females are the ones like where I'm like, okay, I can see I can see some of these. I I can see that. Anyways, also, that's all I'll say on that. Speaking of fights to avoid and cliffs to jump not jump off of, we got Clay Guida minus seven fifty versus BJ Plan plus five twenty five. Uh, I'm gonna keep this quick because it's super depressing. Although I will say because you know I don't want anybody giving me shit because you know I come at people like. Uh, Greg Hardy, but not BJ Penn, first of all. It's allegations, whereas uh, Hardy was actually convicted and there's actually evidence uh, and evidence slash that was officially brought to the table. Not defending Penn, uh, who granted, you know, things can be said in allegations and allegations are allegations, so we do need to remember that. That being said, as a BJ Penn quote-unquote fan for a long time, um, this saddens me and slash doesn't surprise me. I would not be surprised if that's true. And for, for case you're wondering, yes, it has changed my fandom. Um, Jim Miller may now be my favorite lightweight ever <laughs> of all time, guys. So uh, for what that's worth, I'm not. Again, I'm not. I'm not. I'm. A, I'm just. I'm a hypocrite, but I'm. I'm. I'm honest where I'm a hypocrite, and those spots are usually kind of where we're all hypocrites, and we all kind of have to be honest about. In this case, though, I'm being honest, and I'm trying not to be hypocritical here, uh, and I don't really think I need to try to. I mean, it's, it's my natural reaction. It sucks. You just, you just, you know, you find out Santa Claus isn't real, folks. That's why you can't have heroes. I mean, hell, even on the other side of him, if you're rooting against BJ just because of that, you're selling out. That, that's cool. That's your, that's your opinion. I, 
I personally haven't wanted to watch him as a, to fight as a fan, despite this knowledge before this knowledge came out. Again, I'm very realistic here, okay, guys. I'm not just fucking homering, nor have I been. Uh, I picked against him. I've not wanted him to fight, and I'm less of a fan of him for what that's worth. That being said, not only to remember, you know, allegations, allegations, but everybody's got dirt on him, man. Even Clay, Clay Guida. Like, I don't want to get into it here. But uh, I've heard I, I, it's stuff that I actually seen personally. I'll tell you this, man. You work security at XS nightclub, or you know, an encore when that was hot, especially the UFC fucking golden era. I got a lot of my Santa Claus ain't real moments out of the way early. Let's just say, uh, Dan Henderson. Oh, I love that guy. It's not his wife. <laughs> Next night. <laughs> okay. Not only is that not its wife, that's not even the same girl from the night before. The ideal American. <laughs> I'm sorry, I say that because like literally months later, like he just, he has a divorce. You're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Got the young chick. <laughs> so, but uh, I'll, I'll leave the Clay Guido one mum to the word. No, no, no sense putting that shit out there. Uh, but yeah, rampant. Yeah, Jesus Christ, the things you saw, the things you see. I saw Bisming. Fucking, I, I didn't see him drinking, but. Uh, he was being loud and boisterous, running around late at night, and it was uh, it was before UFC 200, guys. So yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Um, but anyways, uh, this ain't gossip corner. I'm just saying, no fighter is golden, guys. I'm taking Guida here. I just think it's gonna be a drudging. I actually wouldn't be surprised to see him get like a Frankie Edgar, uh, BJ Penn three stoppage, where it's just accumulative on the ground from the second round. Um, that'll probably be the pick, actually, either that or a decision. Um. Yeah, I was just depressing all the interviews. I'll leave it at that. All right. Uh, next fight: Luana Carolina minus one seventy. Priscilla Cachoeira. Um, man, I'm taking a lot of dogs here, and I'm actually taking the dog here. Luana Carolina hasn't fought freaking nobody, and then until she got to the Contender Series, which is the only reason why she's here. And that girl was like seven and zero or something, and she put up a good fight, and we got to see some things, but. Uh, yeah, I guess Carolina's the better, the favorite because because she's the cleaner. She's for sure the cleaner striker, but almost everybody's going to be the cleaner striker against Casuela. Casuela though has power, chin, and kind of a will. Whatever you think of her, like she takes the ass kicking and, and keeps coming uh, until the ref stops, or you know, even if her leg, her face is falling off and her legs falling apart, she's still hanging out and hanging in there. Uh, and as we saw the McCann fight, can even kind of stage late comebacks, albeit not enough. Uh, you know that pressure. And against a small girl, we really didn't have a lot of tools. Uh, by the way, any of you guys watched that Contender Series fight? Were you guys laughing as hard as I was any time? I gotta ask Fitzgerald and Felder uh, next opportunity I get if they were saying it, the the opponent's name for comic because I was dying laughing. My belly. My belly, they're like, oh yeah, look at she. She's got to be careful. My belly's got to be careful when 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 she rushes in there. Oh, my belly pushes her to the fence. <laughs> I was just laughing. This is not like my belly. Anyways, but she was able to pressure uh, Luana Carolina anytime she wanted to. She was able to take her down as well. Um, and Priscilla Cachoeira doesn't show much for the takedowns, but if she does, that's going to be there all day. Luana Carolina is not going to offer much there. Uh, Oh, and she could uh, outpoint her kickboxing. I guess that's why she's the favorite. But what I see is her letting the emotions. Her first UFC fight, she's getting rushed to the big stage. Cachoeira has been there. Uh, been to the big stage in Brazil. Been to the big stage on the road. And both against way more experienced competition there in, the, in the, both those senses. Um, and I think Carolina's going to come out hard and start piecing Priscilla up like everybody. 
and she's going to let that get to her, and she's not going to have the power to finish her. And then the adrenaline dump's going to happen, and I don't know she's going to gasp per se, but the rhythm, regardless of the gas tank, will take over for Cashoeta. And I think Cashoeta is going to pour it on in the last two rounds enough to get a split decision there. So I'll take Cashoeta. Um, it's definitely a thing you should avoid, not jump off, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't sprinkling just, just for the shit of it. Uh, D-Gen Sprinkle. All right, next fight, Warley Alves, minus 135. Sergio, Sergio Moraes, plus 115. I think you know where I'm going here. I actually went against Moraes, who I do like against uh, Martin. I had Martin there, but I, I felt the line was kind of scared me off of the Martin play. And we saw why. And Alves, you know, uh, Moraes, I mean, was able to take him down and do, you know, what, whether you bet or picked uh, Moraes, you all have to give credit to that happening, right? He was the better Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, obviously. But he didn't get it, and he looked, like, really sluggish. You know, Paul Felder was commenting on it. He looked really bad at the weigh-ins. And if you look at his body, he just looked kind of thicker than usual, and not in a good way. Like, you know, like like he had some love to give. Like So something, I think, might have went wrong, not to take away anything from, from, from uh, Anthony Rocco Martin there. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, and he's looking better in this camp, man, through the pictures. And he still looks thick. Maybe that's a new thing to watch out for that could be a flag. But he looks thick in a better way. Like, again, you know, the pictures next to the Brazilian doctors with him and Trinaldo and Eva Lucal, and they're just, they're, they're, they're good to go. <laughs> good to go, although Trinaldo doesn't get to go anymore. He was a live dog. I was picking Fajeda, but Trinaldo was super live. Um, but, uh, anyways, uh, yeah, so I, I'll, I'll take more eyes here. You know, Alves, I've always, you know, Habitual clock checker, and I've always been hard on Alves because probably because I over-celebrate that Brian Barberina pick back in the day, just kind of calling that one to to a T because Alves is just, you know, from watching him and promos and warm-up videos to everything else, he just checks the clock, checks the clock. He's a habitual clock checker. And, um, and yeah, and, and, and we saw him start to kind of gas again. He looked good against that newcomer guy and fought a disciplined fight. That really impressed me. But then against James Krause, who he was a big favorite against, he just kind of shit the bed. I mean, he was looking tired like before that finish came along. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Krause was able to take him down. I think, yeah, I, th I think Mariah is able to take him down here. Mariah's shot away from the takedowns for a while, but it looks like he's kind of getting back to where that when he needs to. Uh, I like that trend a lot. And I honestly, you know, I honestly don't d d disregard his chances in a kickboxing bout. I think it's similar to the last fight I broke down that, um, he's not beyond getting rocked, but he's also shown a, a, a surprising durability and, 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 and he, uh, heavy-handedness in his strikes, so I could see him taking over later in a kickboxing bout with Alves. So I, I picked and played Marais here. All right, next fight, Hayoni Barcelos, like minus 1,100, Jesus. Short nose replacement against Carlos Houch and Quidos, and this guy's like from, again, Peru, Southpaw, um, and, you know, I was going to just, uh, let me guess, throw shitty left kicks. But actually, no, unlike all those Peru guys, uh, unlike, uh, and I'm not, I'm, of course, I'm leaving out uh, much respect to, what's his name? Um, fucking angry dude who was on that winning streak up till not too long ago. Uh, he trains at American Top Team. Anyway, god damn it. Enrique Barzola, uh, aside from him, uh, this guy is his own style. Uh, this guy actually looks like he's a pretty good boxer, man. Southpaw boxer, finds that lead uppercut really well. Um, all that said, Barcelona does, Barcelos doesn't have a bad uppercut as well, and I think Barcelos takes this guy to the ground because uh, not a lot not, not a lot to write home about on the ground. That's where the diff big difference is going to be. Uh, he's going to be the bigger guy. 
135. Uh, he's a big 135. Jaime Barcelos obviously used to fight at 145. I'm sure maybe this fight maybe is a 145. I don't even know. Uh, but yeah, he's the pick. All right, and last pick. Uh, Talita Bernardo, minus 325. Viviana Arujo, uh, plus 250. Man, sometimes I get lost in these Instagram posts, guys. The, again, creepy guy in me kicks in. And uh, you type in Viviana Arujo, and there's uh, some models and some... I don't know. Maybe like that. Let's just say if you're an attractive girl, they name you Viviana Arujo in Brazil because I got sidetracked. <laughs> sidetracked. <laughs> Trying to find the right Instagram. And I never found the right one, but uh, I stayed in a couple pages for a minute. <laughs> that being said, uh, Viviani, she actually has a. She actually fought better competition than the other Brazilian girl. It's kind of uh, on short notice here, but she's, she's on fighting on short notice. And. Um, and she is a, a 115er, so she's going to be fighting 135, and Talita's a big 135, and there's going to be a big advantage on the ground. Not that uh, Viviani's a slouch on the ground, but you know she's uh, she mainly puts it together kind of points and flurry kickboxes and pushy against the cage, and you know she, she definitely can put the volume on, on Bernardo. And Bernardo's striking, there's definitely nothing to write home about there. But she's just a more well-prepared, more bigger, and going to have a clear clear path to victory here. So i got to imagine that's why the line's as big as it is. I stayed away, but the pick is Bernardo. Okay, recap of the picks from top to bottom. Uh, yeah, Bellator included. Uh, taking Chandler over Fiede, but stayed away. Taking Lima over Page, uh, stayed away. Uh, stayed away from everything here, but take AJ McKee over Pat Curran. Take Jake Hager over TJ Jones, Chumley. Take Taiwan Claxton over James Bennett. Who the fuck is that guy? Taking Jessica Andrade, the UFC card, over Hulus Namajunas. Taking Silva over Kenneth Haynes, baby. Yeah, Kenneth time. Uh, I'm playing Silva a little bit. Uh, taking Volkanovski over Aldo, sadly so, guys. Uh, taking Alves over Starapoli. Taking... Little Nog over Superman Span, taking Moises over Hulaba, taking, I just hate like he's Middle Eastern, Hulaba, Hulaba, uh, taking Aldana over Cohea, taking Guido over Penn, taking Cachoeira over Carolina, taking Moraes over Alves, sprinkled on him as well there, taking Henry Barcelos over Quiros. Taking Bernardo over Arajo, Arujo, however you want to say it. Um, and yeah, so yeah, played uh, Marais, uh, Alves, Silva, Volkanovski, and Little Nog. Good luck on whatever your picks and plays are. Have fun this weekend. Take it all in. Eh, apologies again in the late episode, but you know how it is. Kept it short for you. Enjoy your weekend and always protect the enemy.